he's he's probably say, saying let's aim high and maybe you know if we get to 60 or 70 by 2025 i don't think he seriously expects homes in the shetlands or something to have five but, well actually they might because they tend to some sometimes yeah. do those little community <laughs> projects don't, yeah. don't they but he probably doesn't seriously expect it to be everywhere but um, are you saying that to make 5g happen we should aim for 6g then <laughs> just like the even yeah. numbers always do better they always do better hello and welcome to another telecoms.com podcast i'm joined this week by ian from light reading and we've got special guest re- returning special guest indeed William Webb, you're a telecoms analyst and all-round expert on this stuff. So I bring you on Thank just you. to sort of humiliate me and show me <laughs> the dilettante part-timer that I am. Yeah. Um, but that's how I know. Joking aside, uh, it's great to have you on, and we hope to sort of dig into to the, some meaty, techy stuff. Um, what else do I need to do before I'm allowed to get on with it? Uh, so I've got to do the bit where I go, SoundCloud if you're watching it. Lot. You what? SoundCloud or whatever. Yeah, I know it's, yeah. it's building up because I've got plugs for our own stuff <laughs> that I, I have to remember to do. Uh, so if you're yeah, if you're watching it on the site or on YouTube or on Facebook, then you can list it on SoundCloud or iTunes or countless other podcasting platforms. Actually, you know what? Again, uh, uh, iTunes is more like Apple Podcasts now. I'm, I mean, uh, oh, is they rebranded it now? Yeah, yeah. Apple po- Are they getting rid of iTunes as yeah, a brand? They're, they're mm, get yeah, they're going to Apple yeah. Music, isn't it? Apple well, no, music. there's Apple Music and Apple oh, they've Podcasts. Just broken it up. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, do you think I? Well, obviously they're not going to rebrand the iPhone, but it's getting the impression that I, as a sort of prefix, is going out of fashion in Apple Yeah, world. I wonder if ITV hadn't existed before, if they had called yeah. ITV, you know? I seem to yeah. remember there was something when they were thinking about Italian ITV when they didn't think about it. So yeah. <laughs> it's not, not going to happen. Um, uh, yes, uh, another plug for our event coming up on November the 7th, which is called telecoms.com live, where we're basically attempting to recreate this kind of vibe in a live setting. People with can loads of People can heckle. Well, I'm hoping William will come along. And, William uh, is coming. And heckle. And, uh, <laughs> and that, well, that's good news. And you're free to heckle. And you never know if some other people don't turn up. You might be a super sub. So uh, people can heckle me. <laughs> yeah, bring 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 your A game. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean you'd be welcome. And so that, that's the point. Um, any other people want to come along? Want to join in? Want to just see me and Jamie improvise in a live setting? God knows how that's going to play out. Um, but that's on the morning of the seventh in the Montcalm Hotel um, in Marble Arch. So go onto the website, look for any any of the banners or whatever. Talk about telecoms.com live and sign up for it, and it'd be great to see you there. And of course, then we're going to have the awards in the evening. This is, do you remember last week, Ray kept prodding me, Ray and Pierre kept prodding <laughs> me. Um, and we got the awards in the evening, which of course you're also welcome to come to, but you've got to pay to get into them, whereas live, you can just turn up. So there we go. Um, that's it. I think as far as plugs and all that sort of thing goes, yeah, am I good to get on with it? Right. Mm-hmm. I will then. Um, so, William, you were saying you had some ideas of what you'd chat about, but you were hoping there'd be some kind of news hook. I was. Um, coming in and. Luckily, there was today um, the main. Uh, sorry, I'm just muting my phone here. It's beeping <laughs> away. Um, uh, the main story we wrote today. Oh crap! I just remember I didn't send the newsletter. Oh, I'll have to do it. After. <laughs> um, <laughs> live screwing up yeah. um, was uh, about. There's a cunning plan. Jamie wrote this, so I'm going to be a little yeah. bit sketchy, but I did read it. I promise, Jamie. Um, he doesn't listen to this, don't worry. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> if he's not involved, he's just not interested. Um, 
a plan for all of the UK operators to combine over rural connectivity. Indeed. So we've got, you know, we've got a thing where obviously all of them have got plenty of um, radio masts and stuff in urban centres and major arteries and all that sort of thing. But if you live in the sort of middle of nowhere or whatever, then it's a different story. Yeah. And the government and Ofcom were always trying to put all these conditions on licences for, for coverage. Um, but once you get past about once you've covered about ninety ninety five percent of the of the land area, or even the population, it depends which metric you use, yeah. it starts to become a seriously law of diminishing returns. So yeah, why don't we? That, that's what we'll start talking about. Why don't you give us your first impressions on all that? Yeah, so I think it's it's actually really interesting because it's really different. So as you as you rightly say, up until now, governments have used coverage obligations on the licenses, the spectrum licenses, when they wanted to to encourage operators to roll out further. And that kind of worked because the operators saw Spectrum as such a valuable commodity, you could throw in a bit of an obligation. It didn't really make much of a dent in the value. Yeah. Everyone got on with it. It was all hunky-dory. And Ofcom were planning to put coverage obligations on the 700 megahertz auction, which is coming up, which is the, the lowest of the 5G yeah. Spectrum. But they were starting to get worried about, you know, if we put too many obligations on this, maybe this isn't so valuable anymore and we could actually get to a situation where nobody wants the licenses because the obligation right. is worth more. Or the auction doesn't go as well as yeah. the government doesn't get to coin yeah. it from the telecoms industry again. So so suddenly this is a complete departure. This is, well, let's let's take it outside of the auction space and let's club together. So this is the first time all the operators have got together. And they've, they've got infrastructure sharing, of course. There's two different yeah. groupings. But this is one grouping. So it's effectively... Actually, not rather than grouping four into one, it's grouping two into one. If we're talking about infrastructure, yeah, isn't it? it is. And and you know, in a way, this is the sort of strange point about UK competitiveness and and where this is heading. I think so. You you kind of think, yeah, we've got four operators, so we've got four com- com- competitors. But as you rightly say, they're in two infrastructure groups. We've only got two sets of masts. Yeah. Um, and and in rural areas, we're only going to have one. Uh, and you know, is it, is this a precursor of moving to? One thing one? I'm wondering about because I don't know the answer to this. So we all see the masks when you're going down the motorway, wherever. Yeah. I sometimes rather tragically point out to my kids to their yeah. total indifference. Um, but on each of those masks, is, is there? So you wouldn't get all four. You um, can do on a mast. You sometimes do. So okay. it's a bit of a confusing picture. Um, there are some masts that are owned by other players outside of these two mobile right. operator groupings. So Arkiva were a big mast owner. They just sold all their masts in a recent transaction to um, Selmex, I think they're called, right. um, a tower company. Yep. So in those cases, you can get, in some cases, all four of the operators. And presumably the, the, the tower mast. company w- wants the business of all yeah, four of them. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, so that, in a way, is their pitch. Let us buy all your masts, mm-hmm. and, and then we'll squash everyone onto to, to the yep. same mast, and we'll lower your operating costs. And we've heard both Vodafone and Telefonica saying they want to sell their masts yep. because they need some some money because their debt burdens are too high. Yep. So you know, we can see that trend happening as well. Masts being crashed into one entity that'll probably consolidate them, and you'll end up with all the operators on the, mm. on all the same masts. Which so is, then all we've got is duplication of actual RAN gear, but we, wouldn't yeah. we still have to have that to some extent? Yeah. They can't share the actual antennas and stuff, can well, they? Well, they are doing. Yeah. Well, yeah. in some markets, they're now... Well, tell me. I'm just well, showing my ignorance again. Well, that's, so that's the big plan in China. That's what the, one of the big news stories from China over the last few weeks, right. that China Telecom and China Unicom, which are the two you know, the two slightly smaller players in, mobile. in China Mobile, yeah. are, are basically building a shared 5G network. So All the way down to every... So they're sharing, they'll be sharing base stations as well. And that happens to some extent in the yeah. UK. And um, they just have to have some clever way of 
not treading on each well, other's they, toes. Well, they say things like network capacity. slicing makes. I think they can do that anyway. But they've, yeah. they've said that things like network slicing makes it easier to do that. But they, I mean, they were resistant to doing that sort of thing years ago. But I think, yeah. as William says, the circumstances they find themselves in now, yeah. where in some European markets they've spent, say Italy, for example, there's a lot of yeah. active network sharing now going on. And it's, yep. it's not a coincidence that the Italian auction raised yeah. a vast amount of money and they, they've, they've had debts anyway, so they're kind yeah. of struggling with the situation there. And it's driven companies like Vodafone and Telecom Italia, I think, are doing an active network sharing deal. And then you've got Windtray and Fastware building a shared 5G network right. as well. So And in the UK, it's a bit more nuanced. There's something mm. there's some areas where there might be some active sharing mm. going on, but... Mainly, it's passive. But competitors don't still. collaborate unless they're forced to by, by sort of economic no. circumstances. Typically, yeah. do they? All, I mean, they, they, they still right? differentiate themselves on tariffs and 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 you know and lots of other. Yeah. you know what you bundle into an offer. But then it almost sort of thing, becomes but, it almost just becomes a bunch of MVNOs in that respect, yeah, where where the only does, differentiation yeah. is just yeah. the yeah. commercial end. And, and in a way, we're already at that in terms of differentiation. So I can't think of any network that's materially different from any no. others. I mean, you get the, you get the reports, don't you? I can't remember well, who are the ones that do it all, but yeah, um, EE tends to do quite well. Everything. But I think 5G yeah. is going to exacerbate this because if 5G is as good as it's meant to be and it provides unlimited capacity and we don't really have any of those issues that you get at the yeah. moment. Like even in central London, I sometimes struggle to get a 4G signal because there's a lot of people yeah. in the cell. And everyone says, well, that's not going to be a problem with 5G. Then there's even less scope for differentiating yeah. yourself on the, net, on the technology side. You know, everybody's using it. Everybody's going to have the same level of service more or less i mean who cares if you're getting 800 megabits per second compared to 700 exactly. or 650 yeah so they have to look and that's, and that's not to... that's not a very powerful differentiator in marketing no no i mean people do you know technology marketing tends to be quite metric but you know i think we might come on to this when we talk about fixed line as well and if you say to someone, you know, we'll we'll give you an average this and someone else says we'll give you an average that and the difference is 10% either way, it's not going to stick in your head no. as, as a marketing differentiator, is it? Yeah. No. So exactly. it becomes things like whether you get a free lunch on a Monday from a sandwich shop or something. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's like the way insurance companies <laughs> Something a bit more tangible. They yeah. give you a cuddly toy that looks like a meerkat or yeah. something stupid <laughs> like that. That's what the operators will probably start doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you heard it here first. <laughs> that's an incredible thing. I, I've actually satirised that in, in some writing I'm doing. The thought that, that you could be incentivised to make a massive capital purchase like a car with the lure of a cuddly toy <laughs> or a... You know, a bottle of wine or something or whatever. Yeah. It's just so it's just so trivial. But as as we say, that, that that's what sticks in people's heads. These people have done their research, haven't they? They're doing that to some extent anyway, with the sort of bundling Amazon subscriptions in for free. You're trying to do zero rating of some of the over top the top services. You know that you get offered yeah. these mm. days. I mean, it's more. I suppose it's yeah. a bit more on the broadband side that's happened, but fixed broadband. But you do get. I mean, as an EE customer, you see them offering. I see them offering things like uh, you know Spotify subscription for a few months mm. when you first sign up, mm. and you don't pay additional for it. So yeah, they've obviously done some yeah. kind of deal so with that, Spotify for that. Yeah, there's that, and I think uh, yeah. I think we should get back onto that in a sec once we've finished exploring this news story because I know certainly one of the things, William, that you said that you'd be interested to chat about is sort of 5G profitability. Yeah. But before we go there, one thing I want to know your view on. So they've said we'll put half a billion will commit yeah. collectively half a billion to this investing in infrastructure and the government said they match it with public funds yeah um what do you think about that because i'm always a little bit you know my my default setting in terms of politics 
is I'm sort of small government. I guess you'd mm. probably call me centre-right. I'd rather the government was less involved. You obviously need a government. You obviously need, you know, police and yeah. uh, and you, you need some, some degree of health that's free at the point of delivery and so on and so on and so on. But I just, I just get a bit twitchy when the government gets too big. And I definitely get twitchy when the government sort of participates in private markets. Yeah. And that's that's the bit. And I know, you know, there's an incredibly high barrier to entry, which is why it has to be regulated. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for some of my taxpayers' money to just go towards um, rural telecoms infrastructure, I'm not so sure about what, what are your feelings on government matching their pledge. Yeah. So, so I think you're quite right that, in a way, the world's a much cleaner place if you've either got market stuff and then you've got government stuff. Yeah. And you can see that, you know, government has to do military and education and police force and so on, because that's just not going to be provided by the market. So that's kind of yeah. clear cut. And, you know, supermarkets are going to do their nice competition stuff and that's mm-hmm. all fine. The problem with mobile is it's kind of landed itself somewhere in the middle yeah. where it started off being a market and that was fine. It's now become socially necessary. It's like critical yes. national infrastructure. And why politicians are yeah, about it. And governments are looking at it and saying, you know, with some justification, We've got to have this stuff. We've got to have this stuff because our country can't operate effectively without it. People are going to be disadvantaged. You know, it's it's part of the critical infrastructure, and therefore it's it's our remit to start playing in this. But yeah. but in a way, you can't half tinker with it. You've either got to decide to to really tinker with it or to leave it well alone. Because if you start twiddling at the edges, you tend to mess stuff up badly. And that's yeah. And and that's kind of what they're doing. And you've got to be careful it. not to pick winners and that sort of thing. Yeah. Now I think they're going to get away with this one because it's been a an agreement amongst the mobile operators so they've not they've not been told by government you must do this essentially right. they've come to government and said we're prepared to do this collectively so so in a way it's not too distortionary but nevertheless it's, it's certainly the thin end of a wedge and mm. i can imagine increasingly governments intervening to require networks to be have certain reliability levels and things like that yeah um, all that kind of stuff and, and, and then when it becomes political so we're you know when you that's what also leaves a bad taste in my mouth. If you see a senior politician grandstanding about it, like Cameron used to do it, yeah, he'd be like, "Oh, I was on holiday and I couldn't check out the football scores, and that's terrible." Yeah, and made a big thing of it. And of course, you know, and we'll talk about this as well. We Boris Johnson's just come out and said oh, we've got to have fibre everywhere by twenty twenty five, and it's like, "Well, where'd you get that from, Bojo? No one, yeah. no one ever knew you were yeah. into fibre until suddenly you got this bright." Well, he's idea. tried to hook up to his computer one day, and he's had yes. that sort of. I think he even referred to it in the pizza wheel of death. He calls right, it. yes, and, 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 and that's and, upset him. So that's why he's, decided he's not happy. <laughs> he's not happy. That's and, and of course, we'll everywhere. come back to it. 5G has been politicised big time. You know, almost every yeah. country wants to be the world leader in 5G. All the senior politicians are saying we must we must be fantastic. Or they're saying the you know, it's terrible. We're, yeah, exactly. exactly. And um, if we're not, then we might as well just not bother. We're just yeah. basically in the Stone Age. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of lot of hyperbole attached to it. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. Well, why don't we? While we're talking about the sort of the politics and the mm. coverage side, I think why don't we get onto that Bojo sort of fixed line things? We were chatting about this a mm. little bit. Before one. So Boris Johnson came out and said, by 2025, I want 100% fibre or something yeah. like that. And as we know, there's tons about, you know, full FTTP is incredibly expensive. Yeah. Um, you you know, we recently spoke about it on the pod. You were in Broadband World Forum and NBN you know, talking about state intervention has been trying to do it. Mm. Um, but it's not, you know, if it's, if it's hard to get mobile coverage to 100% of the country, then it must be that much harder and more expensive to get fixed line 
So, so I guess I'll start off. Sorry, I'll ask William again. Mm. He's a special guest. So <laughs> you'll get your turn. Stop moaning. I'm not moaning. <laughs> I'm not happy just to sit here. And... I know. <laughs> I was only joking. Um, uh, yeah, the 2025 yeah. pledge. How plausible, how useful do you think that is? I, mean, it's, I think almost everyone in the industry would think it's pretty nuts, frankly. Right. It's just logistically not possible. It's just Not aren't... at any kind of reasonable expense. No. Yeah. Mean, you know, you'd have to turn 10% of the population into road diggers or something crazy. Right, right. Oh, you think it. just logistically getting the work done regardless yeah. of the cost is Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's, that's one of the problems BT has yeah. with its, OpenReach has with its build-out at the moment. They can't get the engineers, they can't get the right. staff. Can't you just can't stuff. get the staff. I think that's, that's what I should be telling said. Jack to do for A-levels. We just had A-level evening for right. my son. Perhaps I should be telling him to BT, yeah. work yeah. out how to... How to bury fibre. How to lay cable. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's that, that, that's the problem, basically. It's just logistically enormously difficult to do even if you had all the money to do it and, and government isn't saying it's going to throw all the money it's needed at it anyway but if yeah. you had that you just couldn't do it you just couldn't find enough people to do it <clears> and, and get those roads dug up my mom has been out of internet for a week now and they switched her building to fiber and they clearly botched it and right yeah, she's in the uk is she no northern france right and then with uh, sfr and yep out, okay. of, out of internet for a week so that, she's furious. So <laughs> they're no better at it in France. No, than we no, are. no right. The, the, they were like, they need an OTN box or something to convert. And right. Just, oh, don't you love it when they start giving you techie stuff? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I don't care what I need. Just make the internet yeah, yeah, yeah. come back. Exactly. Yeah. But I think it's an interesting point. You know, where does he get this from? It's, yeah. It's not clear to me that there's anyone particularly advising him who's you know, enough of an expert in this space, or no. that he went out to consult the industry more widely no. first before doing this. It was just a kind of. It does feel well, like it pulled out five years earlier than everyone else will be great. Let's just do that. But yeah. in his defence, yeah. um, I would say that it's good to have ambitious targets. And the UK has been a, a real laggard mm. on fibre. So if you look at Portugal and Spain, I think, are the yeah. countries that always get cited. They've got massive yeah. fibre availability now. And if they can um, manage it, and they're not exactly And the gap's not huge. I think they're both on more than 70%. And the UK's on now something like 8 I think, in terms of fibre to the premises. Yeah. So... Wow. Maybe it's a, maybe he's thinking, look, let's aim higher. We're not going to, you know, he's probably he's not an idiot. Yeah. So he's 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 probably say, saying let's aim higher. Maybe you know if we get to sixty or seventy by twenty twenty five, I don't think he seriously expects homes in the Shetlands or something to have. have but, well, actually, they might because they tend to some sometimes yeah. do those little community <laughs> projects, don't, yeah. don't they? But he probably doesn't seriously expect it to be everywhere. But um, are you saying that to make five G happen, we should aim for six G then? <laughs> <laughs> Just like. <laughs> The even yeah. numbers always do better. They always do better. So, I mean, that's the clear, you know, the clear thing to do is go straight to 6G yeah, and miss right. out on 5G altogether. Uh, <laughs> it'll, be, it'll, be, it'll be poor 6G, but decent 5G. Well, maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe if we have time, we'll put you on the spot there, will you? Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> what's 6G all about? But, um, yes. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's also, you know, we were chatting about this before. Mm. There's also the, what is the actual practical desirability of getting fiber-like bandwidth everywhere so yeah. you know uh, are we in did you say that they, they switched the target from a technology to a speed is that right well i, I think you mentioned that oh, was it? Yeah, was yeah, that they've gone from saying fiber everywhere to gigabit, to gigabit everywhere. everywhere yeah which right. allow which i think makes sense because what you, the reason you want fiber is to get high speed services yeah. because you need the yeah. application yeah. so i think it's silly to say let's have a technology when we were talking about this earlier. Yeah. Fibre isn't perfect. You know, if, if you're using passive optical networks and it's split amongst a lot of houses and they're all streaming, you know, Amazon yeah. Prime or something, then you mm. could get quite slow services compared with a 5G connection serving just a couple of households, for instance. Yeah. So, you know, I it's think like it when, when smartphone advertise like, oh, this got this many gigs of RAM, 
uh, this new processor. I'm like, I don't care as long as it runs smoothly. You know? Yeah. 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 There is that. I mean, the, the, there's a problem that technologies always have of <coughs> how else to market themselves. I mean, I remember years ago, um, I think it was when Dyson started becoming popular as a Hoover. Mm. And prior to that, you go into John Lewis or whatever and go, I need a new Hoover. I want one that actually sucks some goddamn dirt up. Yeah. And and so you go, well, that one's, you know, that one's 1,000 watts. That one's 1,500 watts. 1,500 watts, must, one must be better. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> must be half as good again. Yeah. yeah. But it's not as yeah. linear as that. It's just that people can understand yeah. the yeah. metrics. The only thing I'd say about, you call them in about the fibre thing is, and I think you touched on this before we came in, that it's eventually, I think it probably will have to be, I mean, maybe not everywhere, yeah. but that's where it's going to go because that's the only one that's kind of future-proof. And at the Broadband World Forum, they were talking about XGS, PON, which is like the next, the one that's in development at the moment, mm -hmm. which will be even faster. But once you've got the infrastructure there, you yeah, can upgrade you can. to that with new electronics and stuff. You don't actually have to, it's that business of actually digging up the streets and putting yeah. down the new, you know, the new lines that's the really hard Yeah, part. because then the technology is determined at either end of the line. Yeah, and, and yeah. that's the bit that you that you need for sort of, that hate the word, mm. but that's sort of future proof because, you know, if you envisage yeah. these future applications like virtual reality and then mobile technologies and, and, and other things probably aren't going to be good We enough. don't have any, there's nothing that I'm aware of, but that doesn't certainly doesn't mean it doesn't exist, that will at some time in the future render fibre obsolete, is it? Well, yeah, I mean, no, there's nothing that's, beyond that's, 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 that's I guess that's, that's why they yeah. call it future proof because yeah. yeah. that's the thing that that you can do anything with. So we've done metal, now we're doing optical, there's not some future quantum networking type <laughs> of thing material. Not, not, not that we're aware of yeah some new yeah, nano <laughs> yeah, particles yeah. scurrying around under the ground okay um, so so yes yeah, so no one doubts that for the long term doing that it's just what is plausible logistically and certainly what is plausible economically, economically. yeah um, and then you know and then politically <coughs> if people like Boris Johnson are going to bang on about it and make it a thing then I guess they have to be seen to be supporting it with more than just lofty aspirations yeah and at the moment we don't really see that you know there's this vague words about government will put some money into this somehow yeah. somewhere but but nothing because it's got so much spare cash isn't it yeah, yeah. No, no real detail on that and and I, from what i've seen people are saying well actually these numbers are just recycling funds that are already available anyway mostly i don't know how true that really is but at the moment it doesn't really seem to have any substance behind it that says this is how we're going to change the dynamics of the industry do you know what I, it's just occurred to me i think he got his script wrong when he's talking about 2025, he actually meant that's when we'll leave Europe. <laughs> uh, and uh, <laughs> bit of a top, bit of a topical yeah, comedy yeah, there. Yeah, if you yeah. want us to get onto that one, I can tell. <laughs> Just five more years. Yeah, do you know what I mean. Or we'll, yeah, we'll be still be asking for another extension of three months. In five yeah, years yeah. Time. Oh, that's just what they're going to do now. Just keep asking just for an extension. Every well, I know. Weeks. I've seen some good satire where they go, you know, the year is sort of 2120, and <laughs> no one knows how this tradition started. And there's some guy in a ceremonial cape asking for another three-month <laughs> extension. <laughs> yeah, I saw that too. I thought yeah. it was, that was just so funny. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I digress. Um, okay, so that's, yeah, so that's the sort of UK infrastructure side of mm. it. I mean, what I want to move on to... Actually, here's one thing which will provide mm. a bit of a segue for that. So um, if we're moving from technology type to speed... Oh, yeah, one point I wanted mm. to make. If you say, if we now say gigabit... You know, as, as Ian was just saying, you know, it depends how many people are using the line. Yeah. So all lines, whether whether they're over the air or in the ground, you can literally view them as pipes. And the more f times that pipe has to fork, the less capacity of data yeah. is going through. It's, I mean, I'm sure there's lots of much more techie stuff. You're probably wincing inwardly <laughs> and going, oh, I'll just let's, let's humour Scott on this yeah. one. 
But, you know, that, that's largely it. The more people who are using it, um, the less each individual is going to have. Yeah. Um, so that's so when you say gigabit, when, when they go, we want gigabit speed, what do they mean by that? Yeah, it's, it's incredibly, when you talk about speeds with, mm. with data, it can be very elusive. Is it gigabit to the cabinet? Is, yeah. it, is it gigabit when at four in the morning when everyone else yeah. is asleep? Well, you know, that's when why is I it? find all these speed yeah. tests that certain people have been doing on 5G networks to be a bit daft, really, yeah. because they're probably the only person in on the whole network. UK yeah. doing a speed, you know, well, certainly in the cell yeah. that they're doing it in. And you see these blogs turning up. I got 600 megabits per second on Yeah. Now, it's like well, yeah. of course kind of you did, because nobody else has got a five shout out phone to Paolo Pescatore. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, Paolo loves tweeting a speed test, doesn't he? <laughs> well, I wasn't going to mention any names. Uh, <laughs> well, he, I mean, he does tweet them. It's in the public domain. To yeah, be they fair. are. Yeah. Um, but so I guess it's up two gigabit speed then. Well, but but yeah, then yeah. but then we've up had two. like all kinds of advertising standard stuff about that. But you're not allowed to say up to anymore. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah, because it's well, because it's bull. I mean, you could say up to. But it only happened on one time of the year under yeah. in a full moon beginning with Z or something. I guess they can't yeah. provide a minimum guarantee. That's the problem. I mean, they, so they, they could, but the cost would be so, so astronomical high. and yeah. it would be really pointless to do. It would be like giving everyone their own private motorway. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, in principle, you could do something like that, but th but it would be ridiculous well, to that's, do it. But that's why I think I'm not particularly happy about them switching it from technology to speed. However, on the flip side, as we're talking about, you know, you could, there's... There are still technologies that can improve the bandwidth of copper, like GFAST yeah. and, and all that sort of yeah. thing. And, of course, we've got um, fixed wireless access yeah. over 5G, which, you know, I, mean, I certainly know I've seen speed tests for 5G that get up to a gig um, and plus. Yeah. So, uh, so then I can see why you don't want to fixate on one technology. What do you think about them focusing more on speed than the technology in their sort of targets? Well, I think you certainly shouldn't focus on technology. Because as we as we just said, nobody wants a technology; they want a yeah, service. An outcome. Yeah. And, and governments always claim to be technology neutral. They don't want to pick winners or other kind of thing. And then they've done it in space by saying fiber, fiber, fiber. So yeah. So you know, from Fair every enough. every sensible point of view, you shouldn't fixate on on the technology. You should leave it to the industry, the market, or whatever to deliver the right technology. You should say what outcome you want. So that does mean, you know, yeah, speeds are more sensible. But actually. We then got to, we then get into what do you, what do you say? Do you talk about the peak speed? Do you talk about yeah. the, the average speed? Do you talk about the worst possible speed that you might yeah. get in the situation where everyone in the streets all streaming at the same time, or do you in fact talk about services that actually you'll always be able to watch four TV channels in your home, whatever happens, kind of thing, or, or not? And and it's just such a difficult thing to, mm. to pick on. I was at Ofcom for quite a few years, and right, and yes. we went over around around this, and each time we thought we'd kind of cracked it, the world had moved on to a different speed and a different set of applications and we realised that we had to tweak it again and then you realise we just you just can't really do it. So I've it, forgotten about that Ofcom stuff. Yeah. When was that that you were there? I was there from 2003 when it was formed. Um, so you, were you there office. when Stephen Carter was I was, no yep, way. yep, yep. Our illustrious leader. Yeah, yeah. Stephen. Yep. Um, and uh, through till 2010, um, so seven years. Oh, right. And um, But were you like a consultant or were you part of the furniture? No, was I was, I was, um, I had a number of different titles, but essentially I headed up the technology team there. Oh, cool. So, um, but I also I wrote. Feel even, I feel yeah. even more humbled by yeah. your greater experience. <laughs> so interesting, right. So, so I, I mean, long short of it, I'm not sure there's an easy answer other than, right. um, you know, let people talk about their experiences. And if they're not getting a good experience, then then let's you know, look into it in more detail. But I think it's you know, just saying it's a gigabit. Yeah. Isn't there somewhere you could standardise a little bit more, like, say, certain speed to the cabinet, for example, or certain speed to a certain node? 
um, and then and then you could perhaps even have some degree of public information about how many clients yeah, that absolutely. node is supplying. So, so you could say it's got to be at least 10 gigabits to the, the cabinet yeah. and, a, and what's called a contention ratio split of no more than 20 or something like that. Right. So, I'll, so I'll you could, for that. You could specify all that Sorted. kind of stuff. Yep. See? Yep. I, should, I should be at Ofcom. <laughs> yeah, which is all well and good until England are playing football on one right. particular night. And every single person wants to watch it in super high definition at home that yeah. particular evening. And then that one time it gets a bit screwed because it wasn't dimensioned for that. Fair enough. Fair enough. No, I, I mean, obviously I was, I was being sort of flippant to a certain degree, yeah. but it does strike me that they could... They could do better to detechify it and standardise yeah. some of this stuff. For yeah. even even for people like me, whose job it is to try and pass it on to everyone else. But anyway, and and I think you know back to your point about the Hoover, um, it is a big issue in the industry at the moment. You know, five G must be better than four G because five is bigger than four. Yeah, um, gigabit must be better than hundred megabits because that's got to be a bigger number, surely. Um, and people haven't yet managed to understand, because it's, it's a moving target, it's a complex target, what they really need and what actually makes sense. Whereas if we look at other things like you know, cars now, people don't fixate on brake horsepower anymore. It's, it, they, they, they understand yeah. that beyond a certain point, unless you're really into racing your car around the circuit, yeah. you don't need any more than a certain amount. And there's other things and that matter And nearly all cars too. are going to get a job done. Yeah, yeah, wasn't Paul saying when we had him on uh, that it's all about the interior now? Exactly, actually. yeah. Yeah, and, and features that you provide, you know, yeah. that didn't used to come in cars, you know, like having Spotify through the speakers and that sort of thing. Yeah, just you know? a decent, a decent engine that yeah. doesn't break down yeah. and, and gets you off the lights and half decent. Yeah, fashion is just table yeah. stakes. People assume it, but operators yeah. are still competing on on, on, on speed. speed. Yeah, because yeah. they don't really have a clue about what else to compete no. on. So. <laughs> No, well, that's a good segue, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. What, what I threatened for us to talk about, which is more sort of making money out of five G. Yeah. So you know, one of the reasons. As we, as we mentioned earlier, one of the reasons people will collaborate is because it's hard to make money out yeah. of it. And, you know, we'll, we'll get on to a specific example at the end of this podcast of where it could be difficult to make mm. money out of 5G. Um, but, yeah, just sort of top line, William, you know, what are your thoughts on how... So I can't remember last time, was it a year ago we had you in here? Probably about that, yep. yeah. Yeah, it would, wouldn't have been in here, would it? It would have yeah. been in the last place. Um, how, in that intervening year, now that 5G's real yeah. and, and kicked off, how how is the industry doing as far as actually monetizing it goes? I, not very well is, is is my assessment, with a few exceptions. So, so from what I see from South Korea, it looks like they are managing to to do yeah. a, bit, a bit better there. Um, whether that's a, a cultural thing from from South Korea, on clear, but for the most part, you know, operators, a few operators have tried to launch five G with a premium, but then often their competitors come in and say no. You yeah, can have that's it the same in the price. It's happened in the UK. And we saw exactly that in, in 4G. E launched with a premium. Competitors came in with the f- same rate. And but it, E and had it, a fairly big head start, didn't it? Yeah. So they probably had about a year mm. of coining it on that premium because they'd been given that 1800 yeah. spectrum, hadn't they? They'd been allowed to refarm it. Is yeah. I remember yeah. that right? Yeah. So you get a very small amount, but but it's not a not a big number of subscribers yeah. that you transfer over during that Early time. Doctor. So so Doctor slash Gullible yeah. types. So it it looks as almost everyone said, that actually from the consumer, you probably won't see much no. of a revenue increase. So then it, everyone has said, well, that's, you know, okay, we accept that. So what other sources of revenue can we find? And there's you know, a long stream of the, the enterprise and the internet of things yep. and um, you know, autonomous cars. There's other kind of stuff that people have talked about. But you know, none of that has moved on at all, I would have said. And, and people, I think, are increasingly reala- realizing that 
it's really, really hard to, to turn that stuff into money for the operators. It is. Actually, sorry, were you going to say no, something? I, have, I, have a, I was at a 5G summit uh, organized by, a, let's say, a Chinese vendor <coughs> this week. and um, That doesn't begin with H. <coughs> yeah. And I was, I was listening to presentations, and I was thinking, we're, we're going to have to move away from uh, data caps, right? It's, yeah. There's just no way. Because yeah. uh, I, I just actually moved from four gigs a month to 12 gigs a month for just one more pound. And I'm thinking if I had 5G and I was using, you know, real that actual speed, those 12 gigs would be gone in two yeah. days. Yeah. So mm. we, we have to move like the Vodafone tiered thing, right? Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm asking because yeah. I, I just don't yeah. see any other way. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, even on the 4G mm. side now, they've like my cat i got upgraded to a new device and yeah. i was on eight gig a, a month before and and yeah. they've like all you need tariff is 60 gig a month yeah. which right. is more than i need yeah but, Six but zero. I thinking, yeah oh wow but i i guess you know my son will sit and what i mean a bit like yours i suppose on his way back from school he'll watch youtube videos and yeah and his data allowance has gone in no time and then if you're watching it in hd perhaps on a mm. phone in future mm -hmm. then mm -hmm. you can I, see how people will use what they're given and, and if it's unlimited then you don't have to worry about it i've got so. quite a fun yeah. thing with, with the ee so I'm on EE and I've got everyone else, my wife, my kids on it. Um, and But I'm just SIM only. Um, and last time I was just chatting about, you know, whether or not I was getting a good deal. I might have said this on the pod before, so I'll keep it quick. But the, the person said, look, why don't you give yourself a ton of data? And by a ton, I don't mean that much, but like 20 gig yeah. a month, something like that. And e, to be fair to them... Um, they do through the app make it relatively easy to gift data. Yeah, it's not too. It's a bit clunky, but it's mm. not too tedious mm. a process. So now at the start of each month, I'm just like the I'm the data master. <laughs> you, you, you're the you bank sort of out. Sort of the lord. Yeah, and I and I just dish out. And like with Jack, so you know, um, like Mary Clark, who we had on the pod yeah. a couple of times, she she always says I think she has on the pod that she she works in the industry, obviously, and she treats. Um, her sons as a sort of barometer of yeah. data consumption because one of them at least is exactly as you described just yeah. just cane in the youtube but this is time. i think this is the real killer application of, of 5g and be interested to get yeah. your perspective on this it's it's not it's it's basically keeping pace with what people want to do on the application side and if they were to use 4g technology then they'd have to put in so many new masts and um and acquire spectrum from somewhere yeah. and to be able to do it whereas at least with 5G, they can provide those unlimited services and keep the cost base kind of looking the same. They're not going to make any more money out of it, but they can sort of protect the, the margins they have. So it's just have. a capacity and thing. Then. It's, just a, it's just an extra capacity mm. thing. Yeah, and certainly, you know, certainly 5G is, is absolutely fine for that. Yeah. Um, big chunk of extra spectrum, um, and it really is a big chunk, actually, when you look at it in terms but of... But it's only price. fine once you, once you start to get into outside of like the kind of licensed spectrum we do now, into mid-band and, yeah. and then millimeter wave and that sort of thing. Yeah, so the mid-band, 3.5 gigahertz, is the main yeah. chunk that they're looking at. It's, 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 it is higher up the frequency band than, than the yeah. other stuff, so it won't go quite so far. That exactly. may be balanced by these so-called massive MIMO beam-forming antennas, gives them a bit more range. It's going to be tricky, but if they, if they just use it in the areas where the cells are already quite small in city centres, yeah. then the shorter range isn't so much of a penalty. But so. I, think, I think we're going to get a fairly slow rollout of... 5G coverage, especially in that area. Yep. I mean, obviously, there's Absolutely. there's certain technologies where you can you could just refarm existing like 4G yeah. spectrum. You know, the the sort of 800 up to two and a half or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that's fine. But as as we just sort of discussed, to get the really fat pipes, you got to go up to three and a half, which presumably requires a lot more 
sort of actual infrastructure investment. Yeah. yeah? I mean, do you, hold, yeah. do you need whole new sort of antennas, whole new transmitters? You or whatever? need new antennas, and that's yeah. one of the one of the big question marks around this band is you need these beam forming active antennas, it, yeah. and they're they're wonderful bits of kit, but mm. they're big, big things. You right. know, they're kind of like half a meter by a meter, and right. they're and they, expensive as well. They're expensive. They, they can weigh expect. over fifty kilos, right. which means an awful lot of existing mast structures just aren't strong enough to right. handle okay, the so multiple ones of these. Pretty hard. Going to have accidents now. Yeah. <laughs> So it's tough, and you know, and they're, and they're doing all this to stay at the same revenue point. I mean, yeah. it's, it's very kind of them. Yeah. It's very nice <laughs> of them to keep keep upping our data packages I for, for the, extra cost. I think the size and weight of these of these things is something that's not actually been addressed a lot. And the only person on, on the operator side that I've heard talk about it was someone from Orange in Spain, yeah. where Jamie and I were actually at a five G core summit. So it's not this area, but he said. They haven't launched, I think. Yeah. They might have done now, but he was talking about pushing the launch to twenty twenty. And one of the reasons was he just he said that the equipment's not good enough at the moment. Yeah. It's too heavy. It's too yeah. big. Mm, you know, it's yeah. there's just. And it, I mean, that wasn't the only issue. There was Spectrum was had been awarded in in bits, and they needed it to be kind of rejigged so yeah. that it's contiguous. Yeah. But but this equipment issue yeah. was a big one, and you don't hear in other markets. You don't hear <laughs> operators going on about that a lot. They just seem to have sort of rushed into doing what they're doing, I guess. And I, guess I know they haven't built much of it at the moment, yeah. but it sounds like they need things to be, get a lot better before they can really go for a mass market deployment. Yeah, and it's not clear how much better they can get, how quickly this is. They're that big because they've got to have lots of antenna elements, lots of bits of RF amplifier kind of stuff in there as well. And yeah, over time that will improve, but it's they're always going to be big. They have to be physically that size just so that you get the distance between the antennas that allows you to form a beam. It's like why well, you need a big telescope to see a long way. You need a big antenna to form a beam that's yeah. quite tight. That's just a physical property. So, right, so right. size is always going to be an issue for them. And, you know, and these are the kind of things that's interesting. We started by talking about the rural network deployment. All the announcements say they're going to deploy a 4G network. Right. So you know, if 5G were so wonderful and so much cheaper and everything else, why would they put in 4G? And yeah. the answer is it's not actually cheaper in a greenfield site. 4G is actually pretty cost effective. It's only where you need a lot of capacity, which yeah. you don't in rural areas, where you put 5G on top of 4G, and that's the most cost effective well, way of, of again. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this for you to correct me. Mm. But if one of the main reasons 5G gives us more bandwidth is because you're just using more spectrum at higher frequencies yeah. that are not used by other ones. Yeah. And we know that the propagation characteristics of the higher frequency spectrums that's sort of exponentially or at least yeah. it, it trails off quite rapidly, yeah. doesn't it? Then you're not going to use mid band in you know, in for rural coverage no. where you want one no. mast to cover several miles. Certainly not. Uh, so, you know, so that's that seems like an obvious answer to your four G question, but I get your hypothetical yeah. question of if it's so great you know, why aren't we using it? But there, yeah. there's, there's another example. So I think there's lots of limitations. I know you're not at all hesitant about being down on 5G. I think the last <laughs> podcast we did, yeah. you had a pop at a lot of the promises being made on its behalf. But, you know, I think that's a great example. I think it's it's really handy for people in the middle of London yeah. um, if there aren't too many other people using yeah. it who want to be able to stream in HD and all that sort of thing. But there's all kinds of use cases that it doesn't really address. And actually, just to flip mm. it, I know it's not an intrinsic <clears throat> part of 5G, but it becomes, it, when people discuss it, it becomes synonymous for reasons which perhaps you could help explain. But mm. IoT, which I know mm. a big area for you because you're involved in sort of low power, yeah. one sort of stuff, yeah. technologies. Um, 
Yeah, firstly, the first question to you is, is you know, why do you think people go on about IoT in the context of 5G so much? I mean, I've got some ideas I'd like to hear yeah. from you. And, and secondly, that the profitability, we spoke about a little, little bit about this off camera, but if you could comment on, you know, the, the possibility of operators actually making any decent money off IoT, that would be good. But yeah, let's start with why, why 5G and IoT sort of... Yeah, so I don't know quite how it all came about, but fairly early on in 5G, there was this triangle that a lot of yeah. people remember That's with the three it. different use it. cases, the, the enhanced mobile broadband, which is kind of what we've talked about up till now, um, then what they called massive machine communications, which was meant to be sort of IoT on steroids, yeah. and then the low latency stuff. Um, yeah. So so kind of within this vision, I think they were, it was just like all these visions, you kind of bundle up everything you can think of, chuck it in there, so yeah. we'll do it all. And IoT was was bubbling, so I guess they thought, well, we, we can't have bulk standard IoT because that's that's happening. We'll have super duper IoT, and we'll call it massive IoT. And I guess they knew five G had to be about more than just enhanced yeah. broadband because then yeah. it would just be more four G. Exactly. Yeah. So so I think that's kind of the genesis. But then the the propaganda and the hype steeped in, and everyone started saying, well, five you know, G is going to be the way that we're going to connect all these machines. But actually, of course, we can do it okay now with with MBIOT, the, the standard that's running on 4G, or indeed LOR or these other um, self-deployed kind of systems. So so 5G is not a kind of a, a, a switch to flip to say that before 5G we couldn't do IoT and after yeah, 5G exactly. we can. It's in fact quite the opposite. We can do IoT if we want to now, yeah. and Vodafone and others are deploying narrowband IoT. And actually, at the moment, there is no enhanced IoT element within the 5G standards. No. The, the assumption is that MBIoT, the 4G standard, will, will evolve into something that yeah. will turn into That'll 5G. That will be an order of actually better. Yeah. So, so actually, that whole thing is, is, is rather distorted. <clears throat> and you know, the, question, the, the bigger question is, is IoT working for the mobile operators at the moment? Because if it isn't, then 5G isn't going to change that because there's right. nothing materially different in 5G. And is it? Not, well, it doesn't appear to be in so much as none of the operators that I know of are out there publicly talking about how wonderfully quickly their subscription levels are growing. And whenever people aren't publicly divulging yeah. what's happening with their technology or their service, I'm always suspicious that the reason they're, they're not saying anything right. about it is because it's, it's not, not doing all say. that well. Yeah. So, so absent much information, my observation, I think, okay. is actually they're not signing up an awful lot of these devices. And each device that they do sign up whatever that might be, a smart street lamp or dustbin or, or yeah. cat collar or whatever it is, is going to be a tiny amount of revenue yeah. compared to, to what you and I pay for our mobile phones. So, and it's not that recurring either, is it? It tends to be sort of one-off for the it could module be a one-off. and, and yeah. a single sort of subscription fee. Yeah, yeah. so you can buy, you can buy a, as I was telling you earlier, Scott, you can buy an, an MBIOT SIM card, which is valid for 10 years and has 100 megabytes of data for 10 euros. Well, that's enough data for 10 years for your average smart right. dustbin or whatever it might so be. It's a euro a year. So it's a euro a year, which is insignificant compared yeah. to what we so you've pay. you've got a massive scale for that to be worth yeah. your time. Yeah, and, and even Ericsson in the wildest dreams only forecast 50 billion IoT devices worldwide. And if you segment that down and you look at the numbers that Cisco are publishing, 80, 90% of those are indoors, they're, so they're smart speakers and things like that. So they connect over Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. Okay. So only about 10% of that is probably outdoor cellular addressable, so that's 5 billion. And that's a bit less than the number of people with smartphones. So we might have right. one of these devices per smartphone. Uh, and but you're only getting you're only a quid getting, a year out You're only getting a quid a year. So it's not a big market. <laughs> no. Um, and, and in a way, that's a shame because it, it's, it's a useful market. You know, for this, yeah. it's all and this it, will, stuff. it will happen. Yeah. 
Um, you know, you get this. Uh, I think the stuff that's always illustrated best for me as some of the, like the smart factory sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Just ways in which if everything's if everything's got a connected chip in it, you can automate so much more. You can rationalize, and the logistics are much more efficient yeah, and lean, absolutely, and all that sort of thing. But um, but yes, again. For the operators to make any cash out, of, sorry. No, I was just going to say that the the, pro, the point about five G, I think, uh, in terms of making MBIoT or LTEM, which is the other kind yeah. of cellular one, more efficient, yeah. which is probably what they'll do, is that all that's going to do is exacerbate the pricing problem. Yeah. Because I think one reason that there aren't that many subscriptions at the moment is that it's still perceived to be, even though costs are really low compared yeah. to what you make from a smartphone, it's still too expensive for. Yeah some of the things yeah. that organizations would like to do with it. Absolutely. The module costs are too high and the, right. so and the, the business case still isn't so, great for So that. you might get a, a really efficient f- version of it that comes along with 5G and with the core network systems they can support a lot more yeah. traffic but they're not going to make anything at all no. so it's it's like a you know, you, you might have tens of tens of you know millions uh, of, of things in an area, but they're making basically nothing from each device. Yeah. So. And, and Vodafone, I think, I did look at their numbers, they're on about there are about 85 million devices at the moment, IoT devices, which globally, sounds like globally, yeah. and it sounds like a lot. But if you think yeah. ten, in the forecast of tens of billions, well, it's, yeah. it's and they're a global operator. They're one yeah. of the big sort of 10 or whatever, I guess. It's yeah. it's not very much. And the revenues they get from that are, and that's not just yeah. connectivity, that's the whole IoT Which revenues is. is about 2% of group revenues at the moment. And they're actually IoT. often a monopoly provider, aren't they? So yeah. I think in the UK, at least, a, they're the only operator that's rolled out MBIoT. Yeah. I think that's yeah. true in quite and, a lot of And they're quite comparable, I think, to the other, like DT, I think, publishes figures as well. Yeah. And they're on sort of 1% or 2% in terms of contribution yeah. to, to overall revenue. So it's, it's, yeah. it's nothing. It's not a, it's not a game changer no. business no. for them. Oh, and one other thing I've heard regarding the IoT in a 5G context question is network slicing mm. in so much as, um, you know, the, the point, um, again, from my top line perspective of network slicing is that you can fundamentally change the sort of nature and the dynamic of the network depending on what your customers need it for at a given time. So if, if the network's in, almost entirely being used by consumers, then then you the slice that's enhanced mobile broadband is by far the biggest. Yeah. But if you're using it to power a smart factory, then you then you give it over much more to things like low latency, ultra reliable, and or yeah. um, IoT and that sort of thing. Is that you know is that sort of network slicing utopia? Does that make any difference to I don't, the sort of viability? I, 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 at all? I don't think so. So um, I, I ran some interesting numbers using some of this crowdsourcing stuff. We talked about it earlier on. Actually, I I, I used a company called Tutela, they, but they're the same as many as others. And I, I looked at how many of the measurements they make are what I call an acceptable quality. So you get at least a megabit in both directions, your latency is below 50 milliseconds, um, and you've got a good signal. So you could easily do video calling, you could do pretty good web browsing over over that. So the sort of things that you might imagine a company might want to, to do with remote Salesforce or whatever. So the question is, how often do you get that? And I and I looked at only at the areas where the signal levels is is okay. Because if the signal level's poor, you can slice the network any way you like, but it's always going to be poor. Yeah. You're never going to get a signal. And the answer was about 99% of the time at the moment, which is pretty damn good, actually, if you think about it. You've got a 99% chance of getting a, the sort of connection that will give yeah. you that kind of thing, as long as the signal level's good. Now, when we experience worse, often it's because the signal level's just not good enough, but slicing doesn't help you at all with that. No. So you're going to, an op- you're going to a manufacturer or whoever, or, and you're saying, 
well, you've got 99% at the moment, but if you pay five times as much, we'll give you 99.3%. Right. But it's, still only, but it's still not going to work in the 10% of the, of the places where the signal levels crack. Right. Is that a, is that a sensible offering? It, it's hard to see. Yeah. Um, that there's a lot of people that will go for that. But I mean, when, when, when people talk about ultra-reliable, I assume there'd be an order of magnitude greater reliability when you're selling something as ultra-reliable. No. So, I mean, you know, fundamentally, when there's no signal, yeah. it's not going to be reliable. So, so it all comes, to, it really predominantly comes down to, do you have signal wherever you want it right. and you know, some people will because they happen to be in a place with perfect coverage or whatever but that then then they then it's great all the time another factor is does the network ever go down and actually they're pretty good you know o2 went down and and and, and everyone will have it breaks loose but actually if you look at it how often are they down it's not that bad too yeah. bad and then um, we sort it out and then the last one is are you going to to your point are you going to be bumped off the network because it's overly congested to which the data i pulled suggests actually not that often okay. Um, now, I'm sure we could find some situations, sports stadium at the time of a football game or something, where the answer is, yeah, you know, every time that happens, you'll be bumped off. So, so there may be some situations. But actually, you know, the ultra-reliable bit <clears throat> isn't really inherent in 5G particularly. No. That's just a radio engineering problem. And okay. unless you throw a lot more coverage at the situation, you don't improve that. And you know, back to our early point, the operators aren't really paying for coverage unless government chips in and helps them out right. on that. That is back to our early point. Okay. Yeah. We... Um, we're running out of time, so I'm going to I'm going to move it on. I just remembered, actually, Pierre. I never did the bit at the beginning where I say what we're going to talk about. <laughs> so now you don't get to. We can put do your something at the end captions. about what we did talk about. We could do that. Yeah. <laughs> we um, could do some clever editing and. Yeah, exactly. I'll just put it regardless. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so the um, the other bit of news that was big this week that both you and I covered yesterday mm. in was Nokia's numbers. Mm. And I'll just briefly tee it up, but then I'll hand yeah. it over to you, partly because uh, I haven't let you do much talking. Um, it's okay. Basically, their numbers, they were all right for this quarter, um, but their outlook for the next quarter and then the next year or two after that was quite gloomy. Yeah. Um, such And so that in itself was obviously a nasty shock for investors. And then they also said, we're going to suspend the dividend. Yeah. Um, and uh, exactly, Pierre's sitting there thinking, as an amateur investor myself, I don't like, <laughs> don't like the sound of that. No, his 5% um, holding of Nokia is... But I mean, that's why yeah, I've always found dividends a little bit strange. I'm thinking, why hasn't the company just reinvested or something? But, you know, that's just how shareholder capitalism works people thanks it, for investing yeah <laughs> some money exactly yeah. and, and when you and when you give a dividend it makes share price go up and when you take it away it makes share price go down mm. and so that would have been one of the bigger factors behind Nokia share price going down 20 25 percent yeah, yesterday yeah. um so ian why don't you tell us a little bit more about you know what what they how they explain themselves yeah i mean i think the dividends probably like you say it's a lot to do with why the share price went down so much but i think there's probably serious concerns about their as you said, the figures themselves don't make you look at it and go, you know, you wouldn't sort of come away if you didn't know much about the market and, and expect a company like that to fall a quarter in terms of its value. Because I think their revenues were up about, um, they were on a reported basis. They were, mm. they were up, I think, about 3 or 4% on yeah, a reported on a, basis. Current, on, no, on a currency yeah. basis, it was just 1%. Mm. And, um, you know, they're, you know, so... But still, it's up. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> but I down, think that's the issue, is if you compare it with... Um, so they're up 1% in constant currency, and I think that's on the network side as well. I think it's about that. Yeah. And then you look at what Ericsson's doing, um, and they're up about 4 or 5% on the network side. Mm. And they're guiding for 
quite a big increase, I think, next year, Ericsson at the moment. And Nokia is saying we're now, having having previously said we're going to outperform the market, they're now saying we're going to be in line with the market, not only this year, but next year as well. So yeah. I think everybody's now suddenly thinking there's a, there's a sort of competitiveness issue mm. in a market where there's only three big players. Yeah. And Huawei doesn't really seem to have been as badly disrupted on the network side by all this US pressure as, well, as I think everybody was mm. expecting. I think we can assume um, they're doing at least as well as ever in those markets they're allowed to operate in. Which yeah. is pretty much all of them. Yeah. So, I mean, there's only there's, they were never allowed in the US anyway since 2012, yeah. I think. We've got a few others. Australia. I don't Australia, think too much sign of them in Korea. Mm. Do you? They're in Korea. Oh, the LGU they, Plus. They have it? a deal with LGU yeah, Plus, but true. they never have business with the other two operators anyway. So right, they've not fair really enough. had. Mm. There's not that many instances where they've sort of been kicked out of a project mm. because someone said you're a security right. threat. So, we're still think as ever prevaricating of, and making up our mind. We, exactly. And <laughs> other countries are as well. Europe for three more months to make up our mind. We're not the only ones doing that. But. But I think people are just yeah. looking at Nokia and saying, are they, you know, is there sort of competitiveness S- issue there? Yeah. And then, and then it transpires that they've, um, y- y- they won't say that they won't actually say we un- we underinvested in five G and sort of got it wrong themselves. No, that would be a hell of a thing to just but come they, out. But their but their CFO did say when I was talking to him that you know it came along quite quickly, took us by took, it took us and others by surprise. And we also have the Alcatel Lucent merger to kind of deal with. So you mean like five G? So there's a pretty strong hint there. Five G hitting the streets about a year earlier than. Well, I, I think most the Alcatel Lucent thing's really interesting actually for yeah. that because if you if you think that took place in 2016, and I don't know how long mm. they were thinking about it in advance, but this is obviously five G's well in development in yeah. that sort of time frame. Yeah. And then I, and then they decided to accelerate it, which probably didn't suit perhaps Nokia. I don't know, mm. but. You know, you're accelerating it at a time when it has all this integration process to to deal with. It's bringing two overlapping portfolios yeah. together, and you can certainly see why that would have caused problems for them compared with a company like, you know, Ericsson and Nokia, which are just dealing with the same business. They're not going through any kind of big acquisition. Mm. Um, and then, so they're now saying, you know, even though they're not they're not sort of saying we did underinvest, but they're now saying we need to invest more yeah. in 5G to basically get things back on track. And it's not going to turn things around until 2021. No, and, and, and they've got more immediate problems. So looking at their numbers, their cash pile, like yeah, well, this time last the year, they had about a billion and a half. Now it's down to about a third of a billion. Well, they won't start paying the, the dividend out again until it yeah, gets until to, they hit two to two billion. Yeah. And, and I think they're going to they're recoup a big chunk of that in Q4 because margins are much better than Q4. I mean, the margin this quarter was about 8.5% yeah. and expected to be about double that in Q4. Yeah, so they're obviously Q4 to be at 1.5 billion cash at the end of the year. Yeah, so they're gonna. So basically, they're gonna. They reckon they're gonna trouser in excess of a billion euros in Q4 yeah. by not paying out a dividend. And the dividends, then, incidentally, it, certainly in Q3, <coughs> I think it was about three hundred and twenty million. Yeah. So, so Q4 point is Q4 was obviously always a good quarter. Mm. It was always an exceptional quarter in terms of cash flow for them. Yeah. But they've decided they need to keep that extra three hundred million or so. That they would otherwise have given shareholders, mm. and you know, and I just back of fag packet maths. If they if they didn't do that and they just kept um, declining in terms of cash balance um, on how they have been, they would actually run out of money. Yeah. Um, notwithstanding this Q4 boost, mm. yeah. So well, that's, that's, so that's there was the... a more a more immediate thing. You know, they they spun it as, and, and I believe them, but they spun it as we need this extra cash for for R and D. 
And I think we feel they also need it so that they can compete on price in certain places. Like China apparently is savagely competitive on price for 5G. Well, I think gig. that's the other problem mm. they've got is that they've mm. Ericsson's suddenly in this mood where it's decided that it wants to yeah. build its market share. You know, they lost a lot of market share in the 4G era when Huawei come up, came along. And their latest strategy is basically they think they're pretty competitive on the 5G side now. And they want to go into markets and, and you see evidence of them mm. doing this and being really price competitive, but also... I mean, the classic case recently was the deal they did in um, in Norway with um, Telia, Telia mm. where they've they've gone in to a network where Huawei had some presence there, and they've basically said, "We're going to we're going to build you a nationwide 5G network by the end of 2023, and we're going to do it on fairly good terms." And Telia said, "Yes, please," mm. and basically they're phasing out Huawei. Yeah. Mm. And there's a few instances where they've either either sort of replaced mm. Huawei or Nokia on the network side. And yeah. and so there's this pricing pressure and this sort of, you know, resurgent Ericsson that Nokia's got to contend with And that's with actually well. quite a strategic pivot by Boyer because for the first couple of years of him being in there, he said, he said we're about restoring profitability. Yeah. Well, they're still saying they can do yeah. that. Even though they're saying there's some margin mm. pressure, they're still quite confident of hitting those targets that he right. came out with. Even though but he they, reckons he can... Yeah, they... He reckons yeah. they can drop their trousers a little bit on he price they can drop the, to win business. Yeah, your expression. He thinks they can do that and still hit this target of 12% that. in the next two years. I don't know what Swedish for that is. <laughs> but he so, said it. Uh, so, um, so we banged on about it. Do you have any yeah. thoughts on, on sort of Nokia's apparent predicament? Now, to me, I sort of take a step back and think, what's, it, what's this telling us about the overall telecoms industry? We talked a bit about the mobile operators not making a lot of a lot of revenue or at least not making enough profit that they can go off and cover rural areas and such like in a way this should be the the the, the real buoyant time for the manufacturers 5g is coming along typically at the start of a new generation there's a lot of operators out there wanting a lot more kit and so suddenly you get this big spike in sales so we, we should be in a situation where we're seeing suddenly massive growth you know 10 yeah. 20 30 percent revenue growth as everyone piles in and buys this kit and and we're not because actually most operators are not spending any more money than they were in the past. They're just switching their their capex from upgrading their three G to four G to upgrading their four G to to five G. Yeah. So it's it's kind of just kind of and Deloro, which is one of the sort of experts on the market sizing, only has it growing about two percent a year, don't they? Yeah. So that's not exactly boom time, is it? Two percent no. growth. No. So you know, overall, we're in a, we're an industry that. It pains me to say because I'm in it too, but it's heading yeah. towards a utility kind of business right. type Which situation. Which is the recurring <laughs> subject yeah. that always comes up. Yeah. yeah, and and that probably means that sooner or later we need to think about structural changes in the industry but that, that will allow that kind of a, an environment also to Also, your, your issue about you know going to one network and, and, and active sharing, which we came yeah. in and started talking about, I think that's another challenge at the moment as well. So this news that the big one in China is like a really hot area at the moment mm. because 5G tenders are about to get awarded there. So everybody's, you know, that's a massive market. I think Ekholm was saying that's about 60% of the 4G market is, is, is China. Wow. Yeah. So that's huge, getting deals in that in yeah. that particular market. Now, this this active network sharing deal between Telecom and Unicom, you've got a lot of people saying that sounds like le- a lot less business for yeah. for the for the vendors basically. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if they're sharing base stations, and I yeah. remember speaking to Ericsson about Didn't this me. when they had their earnings the other week, and they were saying, well, it's better to have one strong vendor than two weak ones, and you <laughs> yeah. still need the capacity. But they would say that they're going to try and look yeah. on the bright side, and there is yeah. a there is a valid point there, but it's basically just one network instead yeah, yeah. of two now. Yeah, so. no, you're absolutely right. If you if you have active sharing, 
you pretty much only have half the kit yeah. uh, between two operators, and that means you only need to, to spend half as much with your equipment manufacturer. So it, it all suggests this is not a, a short-term thing. Yeah, We're going to see this, these issues for quite some time until the industry works out a way to address them. And to some degree, the manufacturing industry has been doing it for the last decade. There's been mergers no end. If you go back 10 mm. years, they, there was probably, I don't know, 10 or more major suppliers of telecoms equipment, yeah. and they've all been collapsing down slowly yeah. over time. It's hard to imagine we could collapse down much further than we're at now, no. but, but I don't quite yeah. see what else we can do to, to move forward in this situation. Yeah, I suppose the flip side, because uh, we've got, got to wrap it up in a second. I don't want to don't want to necessarily conclude on that we're all screwed no <laughs> i hope not um, but but i mean but the flip side is that yes i think there seems to be no escaping the greater sort of commodification of the actual provision of the basic service that is yeah. more and more like a utility and again this is a recurring cliche but if they are going to get some decent sort of revenue growth and all that sort of thing and maybe even start putting on mm. swanky press trips again it's been a while since mm. they did those isn't it yeah um then it's going to be through all this clever sort of added value stuff, integrating with industry, yeah. helping them do smart factories yeah. and all that jazz. So, so yes, the gloomy side is just providing straight up connectivity is is a declining, slowly declining yeah. in terms of profitability. But you know the opportunities are there. There's just not that much sign that operators are great at grabbing them, is yeah. it? But. That's a whole other podcast. Did you have something else that you wanted to? No, I was, I was going to say that the. I mean, we don't want to get into a whole discussion about Open RAN now. At the end <laughs> okay. Of it, but that's another thing no, that's that's, that adds to the, to, yeah. the, to the pricing pressure. I think. Yeah. I mean, that's not a. It's not yeah. a good news story for the big vendors, really. It's you know breaking up the yeah. RAN and making it easier for other smaller companies to come in, and it's all that really is commodity yeah. equipment and open source software. So it's it's not um. You know, so it's good, good possibly for the operators if they're trying to get equipment into yeah. hard places and they're trying to sort of get more innovation there and get prices down. But it's just further pressure on the big kit vendors, really. And, and, and maybe the, the future is actually a different kind of model where we've got open round, we've got people building mini networks here and there that are then aggregated up by the Googles or whatever of this world into to, to large collective networks that bring together lots of different technologies with Wi-Fi and other things and seamless roaming over the whole lot. And it all becomes a bit more like the internet is right now, where you don't yeah. have to have one provider providing internet for the whole no country. No one's thinking about Cisco routers and stuff when yeah. they're on the internet. Yeah, yeah, and, and that could be you know, that that could be a, a vibrant new era of, of telecoms. But it's very hard to see how you get to there from where we are at, at, at the moment. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, thanks a lot for coming in. It's great. I'm sorry it took took us a year. That's all right. Um, it's great to be back. No, I think you were here this year. Come on. I'm I'm sure I remember. Yeah, somewhere in March, I think. Is it? Yeah. Okay, we'll go for that. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing you on the 7th. In fact, you, you saying that you're going to turn up on the 7th gives me a chance to plug it one more time. If William, who used to be the head boffin at Ofcom, can turn up to our event, then it's obviously well worth coming to. So make sure you turn up. Or I'm only coming because you said there's bacon sandwiches. Yes, yeah. and booze. And, and booze. Actually, that's a good point. <laughs> so I, I personally oversaw this. I said, look, we've got to put on a proper spread of coffee when people arrive, bacon sandwiches and pastries, and then we've got to have beer and wine at lunchtime. So it should be a giggle as well. Cool. All right, thanks a lot for coming. Great to see you. And thanks a lot for listening. Make sure you join us for the next one.